following presentation of Money's Crazy Mind has been pre-recorded for your entertainment. And now, let's enter the asylum. Warning, Money's Crazy Mind contains language that may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised, but will be completely ignored. <laughs> Right to and wrong. Parents pissed off every time I write a song. Smoke crack, push up sitting. What the fuck is that? It's something funny, made for you to laugh at. You're destroying America with your rap. You're so full of shit, I need to call hazmat. The only way I would ever apologize is if I had my face buried in your sister's thighs. Okay, I'm sorry for what it's worth, but the best part of you was the afterbirth. If you can't take a fucking joke, then go jump in the river. Nah, 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 and I fucked your sister. If you can't take a fucking joke, then go jump in the river. Nah, 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 and I fucked your sister. Here we go. <clears throat> Here we go. All Hallows Eve Spooktacular Part 2. Something that didn't even exist until the other day. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It was in existence last week, actually. Um, last Friday night, after I went off the air for the Spooktacular, the last time I thought you guys were going to see me for a while... Uh, the very next day, actually, for a friend's birthday, we went to, and actually saw Saw 10. And that got me thinking. I'm just like, hmm, maybe I should do a part duh, to the Halloween special and talk about Saw 10. Who doesn't want to hear about Saw 10? Especially. Now, originally, this was supposed to air yesterday. But that intro that you guys just saw, it wasn't done yet. And there was something else at the end of the show that I had to redo because it accidentally got deleted. Sorry. But anyway, here we are. Halloween spooktacular, all Hallow's Eve spooktacular pot du. And, uh, yeah, so we're going to talk about my thoughts on Saw 10. Is the new Goosebumps show worth it? Should you guys be paying attention to it? And then we're going to talk about all things 10th, or I'm sorry, 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. The trailer dropped the other day. And I kind of want to just give my thoughts on what I thought about the trailer. What I'm looking forward to seeing when Doctor Who returns next month. 
and my thoughts on what I think the 60th anniversary is going to be. But I just want to I want to put an end to some rumors that I've been hearing um, over the past couple of weeks since I made the decision to take a break from Redline Radio. Okay? Yes, there have been a few outlets that are very interested in bringing Money's Crazy Mind on board. I have not signed with any of those outlets. I have not made a decision on whether or not I am officially done with Redline Radio yet. I have not done any of that. So until I decide to make the decision to tell Redline Radio I'm doing this show independent. I have no backing. I have no radio station influence. I have nothing. It's me, this microphone, that camera, this green screen that I paid for with my own money, this soundboard that I paid for with my own money, the laptop that I owned before I even got to Redline Radio, and the monitor that I'm using to take a look at everything to make sure that it's all running smooth. So until I make a decision, if I'm going to walk away from Redline Radio, if you're hearing that I'm going anywhere else, it's just people talking shit. And when the time comes that that decision is going to be made, trust me, I'm going to go right here in front of everybody like I do when I do this show and tell each and every single person out there what the deal is. I've always been transparent in that way. That's how I feel journalism needs to be done. And I would never not include the people at Redline Radio in that decision. Okay? So let's be clear one more time for the people in the back. I have not made a decision to leave Redline Radio radio yet these episodes are being done independently produced and everything like that because i'm technically not affiliated with redline radio at this moment so because of that these episodes are independently marketed okay that's why they're only being shown in two places the money's crazy mind facebook page and the money's crazy mind youtube channel And then, obviously, the audio version of the show is available on all the platforms that it's available on. And we'll get to that later on in the broadcast. 
But with that being said, let's move on. So a lot of people are wondering why I decided to do a second Halloween special, especially for a movie that's been out for a while. Hey, Sam, how's it going? Uh, Sam Hain, my buddy back here. The uh, Well, I mean, it's just a scarecrow, but it looks like Sam Hain from the real Ghostbusters cartoon. So, hey, Sam, what's up? How you doing, buddy? Uh, but basically, here's what happened, right? So the day after the, the All Hallows Eve special aired, um, me and some of my friends went to go see Saw 10. They wanted to see Saw 10 for their birthday, so we decided, what the hell, let's go. We'll check it out in the afternoon. Um, you know, I'm a member of the Cinemark Movie Club, so I get free tickets every month. I don't use them every month, so I had a bunch of free tickets saved up. So we said, let's go see Saw. And when we got out of the movie, all of us that went and saw it were just like, holy fuck balls. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm going to do a, a part two. It's just going to be a mini episode. It's not going to be two hours long. I'm just going to talk about Saw, and then that'll be it. And then the night of the All Hallows Eve special, Friday the 13th, uh, Disney Plus premiered the new Goosebumps series. So I said, well, you know, me and me and Megan, my wife, we sat down, we watched episode number one. We dug it a lot. It was really good. So I'm like, let's talk about that. And then this past Wednesday when I'm at work, I'm sitting there and I'm on my lunch and I'm scrolling through my phone on the book of face like I do every day at lunch. And then all of a sudden, the official Doctor Who page announced that the trailer was out for the 60th anniversary specials. And I'm like, ooh. And I watched them. Well, I watched it because it's one trailer for all three specials. And I'm like, ooh. Gotta talk about that, too. So that's kind of how this mini episode came to fruition. Um, so that's pretty much what's on tap for tonight. We're going to talk about Saw 10. We're going to talk about, uh, Goosebumps and we're going to talk about the Doctor Who trailer. And then I have a little bit of an announcement to make at the end of this episode, um, about the future of this show while it is being independently broadcast and independently produced through my production company, Nameless Faceless Productions. And then we are going to get the hell out of here and enjoy the rest of the week, man. Or weekend, I should say. I have a friend's birthday party to go to tonight. The same friend that I went and saw Saw with. And then Sunday, got to watch the Steelers and I got to work. So, I mean, that's that's the rest of my weekend. But let's not waste any more time here. Let's dive right into it. My thoughts on Saw. 10. Whoa. You're a creepy motherfucker. All right, but Saw 10. I went into this with low to medium expectations. Now, I'm not including Spiral in this. I'm including 
just the Saw movies about Jigsaw and John Kramer. So Jigsaw came out in 2017. So 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. It's been six years since we got a Saw movie that had anything to do with Jigsaw, John Kramer, Amanda, Detective Hoffman, all of those characters. And I also know that Lee Wynell and James Wan, who created the character of Jigsaw and started the Saw franchise with Saw 1, all them years ago, I think 2006 maybe, or maybe 2004. Yeah, 2004, and then Saw 2 was 2005. I wanted to look it up to make sure I was giving everybody the right date. That's a long time. And those guys are busy working on other franchises right now. They're involved with Insidious. They're involved with The Conjuring. Lee Wynell has his own projects that he's working on. James Wan has his own projects that he's working on. So as the opening credits are playing on Saw 10, and I see James Wan and Lee Wynell's names pop up, I'm like, okay, These guys are backing this. That makes me feel a lot better about this now. And when you look at some of the other names that were involved with the writing, the directing, and all of that, they're all names that are synonymous with that original Saw franchise. They're the ones that came up with 90% of the lore that we all know when it comes to Saw. So let's take a look here. It's currently sitting at 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm sorry, 79% at Rotten Tomato on Rotten Tomatoes. So that's that's pretty darn good for that film. Uh, film. It was directed by Kevin uh, Grubert, who did direct some of the later Saw movies. Uh, music by Charlie Clauser, which is good. Uh, he did all the Saw movies. So let's see what other credits we can get here. Uh, Produced by Mark Berg and Oren Coles, who were responsible for all of the Saw movies except for the first. Uh, It was edited by Kevin Gruert, who uh, was also the director. Released by Twisted Pictures. Uh, and, um, you know, Kevin Gruert was signed on to direct after he worked on most of the previous installments and directed Saw 6 and Saw 3D, which was Saw Final Chapter. Uh, Tobin Bell was confirmed. A man, uh, Shawnee Smith was confirmed. Uh, Costas uh, Mandalore, who also who played Detective Hoffman, Ended up being confirmed. Um, so, I mean, it, obviously you got a lot of the pieces, the key pieces from the other Saw films who came back on this one. Now, this is a direct sequel to Saw, the very first movie that came out in 2004, and it takes place in between Saw and Saw 2. And that was kind of the second thing that 
popped into my head. How is this going to fit, seeing as how it's six years since Jigsaw, and Shawnee Smith hasn't made an appearance in a Saw movie since, like, Saw 6. And maybe even, I mean, it was just like a little cameo shot from Saw 3. So she may not have even been in any of the Saw films since Saw 3. And, you know, I knew obviously she was going to be in it because we we know that sometime after Saw, when she was in the in the uh, jaw trap, she teamed up with John Kramer and um, became one of the many pieces involved in the jigsaw traps. What shocked me was when there's a moment in the film, and I'm gonna try I'm trying not to give too much away, but since Costas Mandalore was announced as being in the film, I don't have a problem revealing this. Um there's a moment in the film when John calls to get information on the people involved in the cancer scam that he goes down to Mexico for. And that that's revealed. That was revealed when the film was revealed and it was revealed in the trailer that, you know, he's in Mexico and he's trying to get treatment for his cancer. Obviously anybody who's a saw fan knows that John Kramer has cancer. And that's one of the main reasons he starts doing the traps and doing everything that he does. So I have no problem revealing that part of the film. Um, But I want to keep this as spoiler free as possible. But there's the moment in the film where he picks up his phone and he makes a phone call and he goes, detective, I need you to get as much information on these people as possible. And I'm like, ooh, are we potentially going to see Hoffman? And then the film goes on. And actually, and this this is actually kind of something that I thought was neat, because not a lot in any of the Saw movie advertisements does the picture in the poster except for maybe like saw five yeah saw five do we actually see one of the traps that's going to be used in the film every other case for saw has kind of been pretty generic you know and they just show like severed body parts or whatever so this is only like the second time that i can think of it i I have to go back and look at all the original saw cases in order to sit there and see if I'm right or if I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure none of the other saw movies except for five have ever had one of the traps that were actually used in the film in the advertising. So that image that you guys see on the saw 10 poster actually appears in the film and holy shit. It is not what I expected it to be. It is way worse than anything i conjured up and i and i mean obviously i'm not a sick motherfucker like john kramer jigsaw but you know i'm sitting there and i'm just like i mean there's there's so many things that you can think of with that i mean you you could shove you know i mean they're they're crossed like that and obviously the crossing of the tubes is to make it look like an x because it's saw 10 um the way they appear in the film is slightly different than that but it that image is there um I'm thinking like you can shove bees down there, you could pour acid down there, you could do, there's a million things that you can do, and what ends up happening in the movie, I'm like, so, already, and and, and like, 
that trap happens like five minutes into the film. Maybe a little bit more than five minutes, but it's very early in the film. So I'm just sitting there and I'm like, well, we're, we're just killing motherfuckers within the first 10 minutes of this movie. That sounds like a Saw film to me. And that was the next thing that I, that I was looking at. You know, does the film, all right, so part two, uh, does the film feel like it fits in between the timeline of Saw 1 and Saw 2? Yes. So already we're two for two on is this a Saw film? The next thing I was asking myself is do the traps remind me of a Saw film? Yes. So, you know, I I was thinking about different things. Like, can this be a viable, and at this point it's a prequel to Saw 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7? And Jigsaw. But not not, not really because Jigsaw, if you remember from the Halloween special, I feel is a prequel to Saw. It came out as the eighth film, but it, it falls in timeline before saw um but do, does this feel like it's a saw film yes does it give me the memories i had watching the other eight saw films yes does this fit fit in the timeline where it needs to fit yes is there enough twists because every saw film that we have seen here has a crazy twist the twist at the end of saw one is that jigsaw was sitting in the middle of that room and was there the entire trap now whether or not he was cognizant of everything that happened in that room during that is another story but we also found out in some of the later saw films that actually the amanda character was very involved from that moment so she could have been the one that called the cell phone that dr gordon answered she could have been the one that electrocuted adam she could have been the one you know doing a lot of the different things and obviously we also know that zepp or mr hindle was also watching everything that was going on in that room so he could have been the one with the triggers you know we don't know, but we do know that Amanda was involved with that particular trap. And as the movie is progressing, it's, I will say this, it's a very slow burn, but they have to set up the con. They have to set up what happened to John Kramer to make him have to punish these people with one of his games and that took a little bit to get to so there's a lot of the film where we're not seeing traps where we're not seeing victims where we're not seeing a lot of stuff but they're building that story of the con that he ended up involved in involving his cancer treatment so i didn't have a problem with that because they're setting up a lot right But then in the second half of the film, it is all balls to the wall and it is traps galore. And you're finding out that the one person 
you do not want to piss off is John motherfucking Kramer. You're, you, like, the second he finds out that he got fucked and he got conned, it is, bam, he is Jigsaw 100%. The only thing that I think this film suffers on just a tiny bit, and it, it's kind of superficial, and it's kind of stupid when I think about it, but you can tell that six years have passed since a Saw film, and a lot longer than that has passed since Shawnee Smith, the actress that plays Amanda, has been in a Saw film. Because girl looks rough. And, again, it's kind of a superficial thing, but, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, hmm. They couldn't find a makeup artist to de-ager. I mean, as much as I hate AI technology and I don't really want to see it used in film, you couldn't have de-aged her just a little bit to kind of make her look a little bit more like what Amanda would have looked like if this took place in between Saw and Saw 2. Like, that was like my only complaint about the film. Other than that, I rank this film very high in the Saw lore. And I am probably one of the biggest Saw fans that exist. Saw is one of my favorite horror franchises. And I'm not really into the torture porn movies. You know, like I mean, like Hostel and Hostel 2, like those films are just fucking disgusting. Like there, there's not much redeeming to those two films. And I like Eli Roth as a filmmaker because Cabin Fever, phenomenal. The original Cabin Fever, the one with Ryder Strong. Sean Hunter from from fucking uh oops I'm, I had a, I hit a button accidentally there. All right, let's get back to the, that creepy guy and have the saw poster since that's what we're talking about. Um, you know, Sean Hunter from Boy Meets World. Yeah, he's sitting there trying to finger bang a chick and he ends up pulling back a, a fucking bloody stump. Yeah. That rider strong. <laughs> that cabin fever. Um and, but I mean that film is just it, I love it. I love Cabin Fever. But Hostel and Hostel 2, those films are just fucking disgusting. Like, ew. But is what it is, you know. I'm not Eli Roth. I'm not the one that makes the decisions on how my films are going to look or what they're going to be about. All I'll say is, is that if it was my movie, I wouldn't have done that. But, you know, because of this franchise... <laughs> Uh, torture porn became a big thing and Hostel kind of rode that, that torture porn wave. Um, but I mean, I ranked this very high up there in the Saw lore. Um, probably like the second or third best Saw movie, depending on where I want to put certain Saw movies. I mean, obviously number one on the list is always going to be the original. Without the original, we don't get two, we don't get three, we don't get four, five, six, seven, Jigsaw, uh, Spiral. We don't get any of those films without the original. And the original, to me, is less torture porn and more of like a psychological thriller. And with that twist at, at the end that Jigsaw has been in the room the entire time, you're just like, Um, 
So this one, I mean, it's kind of funny because that's where it fits in the timeline. Like, I would fit it, like, right there or maybe just under Saw 2 because Saw 2 had that other twist ending where you find out that Amanda is has been involved the entire time. Um, so that that's kind of where I would fit it, you know, right where it kind of fits in the timeline. And, you know, does it is it a worthy piece to go in between saw and saw two absolutely the the traps are kind of crude but they all involve the things that were obviously made available by this cancer con so he uses a lot of the tools that these people use to con him to punish them um the traps were fun like, you're sitting there and you're just going, I don't see how they're going to get out of this one. But then you also, I mean, like, for me at least, and I think for, you know, the two friends that I went and saw the movie with, like, there were times where you're sitting there like, get out of the trap. Get out of the trap. I don't want to see how this one ends. Like, oh, my God, get out of the fucking trap. Get out. Ah, oh, damn it. Now there's body parts everywhere. Um, Visually stunning. Uh, the way that they shot it, everything like that, it it's it looks like a saw film. Even even the slow burn to get to the to, to the part that everybody's there to see, even the slow burn lead up looks fantastic. Tobin Bell still looks like Jigsaw, and I think that 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 the six year passage of time actually did him a little bit of a benefit. And here's why I say that: think about this. We don't know in Saw 1 he has cancer. But by Saw 2, he has cancer and he looks rough. By Saw 3, motherfucker's almost dead. And if you've seen Saw 3, you know how it ends. Um, So, I mean, like, you can see the progression of the illness in those films. So by him looking rough... And by him sitting there saying, like, this is getting bad, I need to do something. And, I mean, let's think about this, though, too, right? Let's say that that whole thing wasn't a con. And he actually did get better from the cancer. Because the, the treatment that he went to go get worked. Would, would there have been a Saw 2? Would there have been a Saw 3? Would there have been... I mean, we... Obviously... We don't know, but because this was a prequel to Saw 2, obviously we know how the movie was going to end. Dude still has fucking cancer. Um, but, I mean, visually, it looked great. And, yes, you know, the, the second reason why I wanted to do this episode this weekend is because the announcement came out that Saw 10 is now available on paid video on demand. So like pay-per-view, you know, but you obviously like they've been doing ever since COVID, you could buy the movie and keep it now on digital. So obviously it's going to, it's available on all digital platforms, Amazon prime voodoo, all those places. Um, I noticed that it was made available to spectrum customers. It's, it's been made av available to Cox customers through their paid video on demand services. Uh, so, you know, if you can buy the digital version of the movie, you can own Saw 10 
as of yesterday, Friday the 20th. Um, so that's the other reason why I wanted to do it now. So like in case anybody didn't get to go see it in theaters, it's now made available through the paid video on demand and you can own it now through that. Uh, do you get any of the extras? I don't know. Um, there's a lot of rumor that it's not going to be appearing on any streaming site and seeing as how it's Lionsgate, it's either going to end up on probably either Peacock or I'm trying to think of what other one might carry it. I mean, it'll definitely go prime video, you know, eventually, obviously it'll end up on max at some point. Cause it'll go to HBO. Um, but yeah, I mean, the only one I can think of is is Peacock. I, I don't think I don't know what other streaming services are streaming the Saw movies right now. Let me let me see Saw. We'll just go Saw number one. Uh, Peacock. Look at that. Peacock, Tubi, Hulu, Stars, Amazon Prime. So I mean, it's available. Like the original Saw film is available. On all of those, Saw 2, Peacock again, Hulu, Fubo, Stars, Amazon Prime. So it looks like those are the heavy hitters. So those are probably the ones that would get access to Saw 10 once it goes available free stream. Um, but, I mean, the film is very well done. Visually stunning. The audio was absolutely immersive. And we didn't even see it in like XD or anything like that. We just saw it in standard format. But I mean, you're you're chasing sounds all around you in the movie theater. So that was a lot of fun. You know, and they did a really good job of giving you that immersive experience. And I think the last time I got to see or well, I not see, but hear that with a Saw film was when they released the original Saw, the unrated version, on 4K. And I hooked it up to my surround sound system here. And I'm like, ooh, um, Dr. Gordon, how'd you get in my basement, sir? Uh, you know, because, like, that's how great the sound was on that, too. So uh, the other cool thing that they did with this and... Again, this is kind of stupid and superficial, but I mean, it, it was really cool to see because obviously we know Lionsgate has done like crazy things with their logos over the years. Um, but one of the cool things that they did around the time of, I want to say I think Saw 3 was the first one with it or maybe Saw 4. But like the the gate with like the red fire and everything that they had on that. You you always knew it was going to be a horror movie or, you know, like not something that was like an action movie or a comedy. If you saw that opening on a on a Lionsgate film back in those days, they brought that back. That's the first time I've seen that in a long time on a Lionsgate film. So that was fun. That was really good to see, you know, because like that, that's something that makes it feel like a Saw film. Because every Saw film, I know Saw 1 and Saw 2 don't have that opener, but I think Saw 3 did. I'd have to go back and watch it again. But I know it's like Saw 4, 5, 6, and Jigsaw had it. Maybe Jigsaw didn't have it. Maybe Jigsaw had the new logo by that point. But a good majority of the Saw films had that open. And then obviously, you know, it, it's a Saw movie, so you know you're going to see the Twisted Pictures logo. They updated that a little bit. 
Um, so it was fun to see that. Really good to see Lee Wynell and James Wan's name on this, considering that they they made that Saw movie, the first one, on a shoestring budget. And the the version that you see in Saw Unrated, the original Saw, the unrated cut, is their original cut of the film. It's what they sold to Lionsgate, and then Lionsgate said, let's trim this up just a little bit, and then, you know, we want to add a big song at the end of it. You know, uh, Bite the Hand That Feeds, I believe, was the name of the song. Uh, but the version that you see in the unrated cut of Saw was James, Wine, uh, James Wan and Lee Wynell's original version and original vision of Saw. Um, so, ending consensus here on Saw 10, definitely go see it. It's still available in theaters. That's the way I recommend seeing it. But if you do watch it on video on demand at home, you're going to enjoy it. It's one of the better Saw films. It's got a 79% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is odd for a horror movie. Not a lot of horror movies get good ratings on the Rotten Tomatoes. And I don't even... I hate Rotten Tomatoes, okay? I'll, I'll just be 1 million percent honest. I hate that aggregator site. I hate all the aggregator sites. Like, I don't... Very rarely do I go into a film by reading the reviews. Like, ooh, like, you know, they say this film is fucking phenomenal. And then I go into it. Like, the one time I did that, and I went into a film, and I'm like, this movie fucking blows. This movie sucks. And then I went, and I saw the uh, Michael Bay-produced TMNT movie where they're like nine foot tall giants and you know were there things I didn't like about that movie yes but it is one of the truer ones to some of the comic book origins that exist out there obviously not the original Mirage comics but the IDW reboot those films are actually very close to that and I enjoyed it I, I liked it a lot both of them to be honest with you and that's kind of how this show got birthed was because of, of my review of that film. That's where the idea for the original podcast name that this show had on the money came from. Was because somebody's like, wow, man, like that was a really detailed, really good review. I'm going to go see the movie because of that recommendation. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast? No. A few months later, on the money was born. So let's wrap up our talk about Saw 10 here. Great film, true to the story, you know, true to the to the uh, films that came before it. A welcome piece to the puzzle. That is Jigsaw. Um, and very big twist ending, a twist ending that I did not see coming, or at least I didn't anticipate happening. Uh, so that was that was a welcome addition. And then for the first time in the history of the Saw franchise, there is a stinger mid-credit. So I'm glad to see that the film did well uh, uh, rating-wise, you know, fan rating-wise, and even uh, critic rating-wise. But this, the film also did well financially. And in a year where sequels and reboots and even just superhero movies have not done very well, uh, Exorcist and Saw are kind of proving that wrong. 
Exorcist is not faring as well as Saw has. But both films are financial successes. And considering how much Warner Brothers paid, or actually, uh, I'm sorry, Universal paid for the rights to Exorcist, they better hope that fucking movie does well because they'll never make their investment back if that's the case. Uh, but there it is. So that's my take on Saw 10. Ding, ding, ding. Awesome. Go see it. Well worth it. Uh, even if you pay the 20 bucks to watch it video on demand, it's definitely worth the watch. It belongs in the Saw family. And um, I can't wait to watch it again. I can't wait for the announcement of the 4K because I'm definitely buying this bitch in 4K. Uh, so, you know, take it from somebody who is a very big fan of the Saw franchise. This film deserves every accolade it's getting currently. Okay, so let's move on to the second thing that we're going to talk about here. And this one... This one was one that I wasn't really looking forward to. Um, mainly because, you know, I grew up as a kid, you know, in elementary school, transitioning into middle school when the Goosebump books originally came out. And they were fun, you know, kid horror books. They were scary, but they weren't too scary kind of ideal, you know, kind of like scary stories to tell in the dark. They were scary, but not too scary. Um, you know, a very, are you afraid of the dark kind of feel to those books as well? And then, you know, a few years later when the film or when the books got popular enough to garner a television program, the television program was very closely based on what was in the books. (coughs) So a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> when the announcement came out from Disney <clears throat> that they were bringing a new Goosebumps series out, I didn't know how I was going to feel about it. You know, I'm just like, you know, do we really have to bring Goosebumps back? Like, can't we just let Goosebumps lie where it lies? And if they're going to bring out this new Goosebumps series, can whoever owns the Goosebumps TV show, give Netflix every episode so that we can go back and watch the original show on as well as watch this new one. You know, because then at that point, what I would sit there and do, click, let's watch the original Goosebumps and then go and watch the episode that is based on the same story that they're telling and be like, hmm, are they true to it? Do they fuck it up? You know, what What? What are we getting out of this, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at Megan, and I'm just like, I, I mean, do we want to watch this? Like, I mean, do we, do we really want to dive down this rabbit hole again? Or can we just watch the old ones and be happy with what we had? You know, because that old TV show did actually have quite a... um are you afraid of the dark kind of vibe? Because they were basically taking what was written on the page and putting it on the screen. And then I find out that this new version of goose of goosebumps 
is actually being backed by Scholastic. And I'm like, whoa, okay. All right. And then even then R.L. Stein jumped on board and he's just like, I'm backing this too. And I'm like, oh. And, you know, after the, uh, the Halloween special went off the air last week, we put on the first episode. And within the first five minutes, I'm just like, ooh. Yo, if we had kids, this wouldn't be my goosebumps. Like, this is not your father's goosebumps. Let me, let me, let me put that in kind of like where that's at. And so I went into this, is it true to the books? Kinda. We'll kind of break this down the same way we did Saw. Is it true to the books? Is it that same vibe of the original show where it basically just takes what's written on the page and visualizes it and puts it in your face? Is it for kids? No. Uh -uh. No. Within the first five minutes of the first episode, which is actually one of my favorite Goosebump books, say cheese and die. You got a motherfucker dying. And then the Justin Long character, the guy that you see right there in the glasses, um, he's kind of one of our main characters in the show. Like everybody on, on the poster is a main character on the show, except for Slappy in the middle. Uh, we don't see Slappy until later on in the series um, when they do uh, Night of the Living Dummy, which is one of the episode titles. Um, but each and every single one of these people is a uh, main character. And they're all going to be in every episode of the show. Basically, instead of doing it anthology style, the way that the original show was done, the way that shows like Are You Afraid of the Dark was done, this is going to be one continuous story where in each episode they live the story of one of the books. So that's actually a neat little twist that they added to it. Kind of similar to like the Goosebumps movie that came out with Jack Black. Um, but Justin Long buys the house that the person died in. And that's in the trailer, so I don't have a problem giving that away. Um, and something happens in the house. He ends up cutting his hand and he goes, son of a bitch. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. Did you just swear on goosebumps? Not for the kids. Unless you let your kids watch that kind of shit. You know, I mean, I'm just like, Ooh, this is not your daddy's goosebumps. Uh, but it didn't take anything away from it. Um, and, you know, and then obviously a lot of these characters do not match the characters that they are in the book. But the gist of the story, like with Say Cheese and Die, it's about a camera that takes your picture and it shows you how you're going to die. And then you eventually die the way that the picture is in the book. I mean, and, that, and that's a story that's been told so many times over. But the way that they did it in Goosebumps was kind of cool. And like I said, it's one of my favorite Goosebumps stories. Um. So that was interesting. You know, it was an interesting way to tell it. Um, if you're not a parent that wants to uh, subject your children 
to the images of a same-sex relationship, this is not for you. Um, there's also some uh, interra- interracial relationship things that happen on on in here. If you don't want your, you know, if you're an, uh, that kind of a person and you don't want your children exposed to that, this show is not for you. Um, it's not very woke, but you know, this show is not for you. Uh, you know, so I mean, there, there's things that happen in the show that are definitely for a more woke culture, I'll say. But for me, it didn't take away from what the story of Goosebumps is. So, you know, I didn't let those things, you know, deter from the story. They, they are there. And me being a journalist that reviews stuff like this, that's the reason why I'm, I'm including it in this particular conversation. And that's the only reason I'm including it in this conversation. For me, it did not take away from the story that they were trying to tell, which was the book Say Cheese and Die. Now, that is the only episode that we watched because then all of a sudden that's when I got news that in the Once Upon a Studio, they actually went to Robin Williams' estate and said, hey, we want to use Robin Williams' voice in the segment of the short that we're making uh, for the genie. And that they actually used outtakes from Aladdin to create his voice. It was not AI. It wasn't anything like that. And, you know, that episode ended and I'm like, okay, um, back, back. Once upon a studio. And then the genie came on and I started to cry. Uh, Robin Williams was one of my favorite actors. And especially being a suicide survivor myself. Sorry, I don't like getting emotional on the air, but, um, you know, hearing his voice as the genie again, one of my favorite characters that he ever voiced. Um, it was touching. It was very touching. Uh, so, you know, we've only seen the first episode. So as the series goes on, you know, I'll, I'll come back and I'll do another one of these. I'll probably just do a bulk for the whole season. So once the season wraps, I'll, uh, I'll do that. Um, all right, so we got one more thing to get to. This show's running a little bit longer than I originally anticipated, but it, it, it's all good, man, because you know I'm having fun talking to you guys. Uh, so finally, the last thing that I want to talk about here, and it, it's not really f- part of spooky season or anything like that, but um, and that's the trailer for the Doctor Who 60th anniversary specials. Um, as far as I know, it dropped on Wednesday. I didn't see anything previous to Wednesday. So I'm guessing it dropped Wednesday. Um, And I, the second I saw it and I'm just sitting there and I'm in the break room and I'm. You know, like that was my reaction to the four minute, I think, video. That it was. And um, I'm just like, wow. They are literally pulling out every stop possible for this Doctor Who 50th or 60th anniversary. 
And a couple key takeaways that I took away from it, and that's pretty much the only thing I have to, to base my opinion on right now because the specials have not aired yet. We're hearing uh, November, uh, mid-November is the rumor that's out there, but BBC is keeping this thing pretty fucking close to the gun. So that's the only thing I have to base it on. And if you guys remember, during the summer, I was dropping hints on some future episodes of Money's Crazy Mind, and this show was featured pretty prominently in those hints. Uh, did you guys pick up on that? Ding, ding, ding. And then obviously I had to take the hints from one of the other things I was originally going to talk about at the end of the year because the actor strike has kind of pushed this back to next year. Anyway, um, my thoughts on the trailer. Um, definitely had me looking forward to what we're going to see in the 60th anniversary, uh, spectacular when it, when it happens. Um, when the announcement came out that they were bringing David Tennant back for the 60th anniversary special, my first thought was why? I mean, they had done it before in, with the 50th anniversary special. They brought him back. They brought other doctors back. They introduced the wartime doctor, which was another doctor that we had never seen before. Um, so there were a lot of great things that they did. But they also had done like a uh, docudrama, if you will, on the original season of Doctor Who, the inaugural season from, from the 60s of Doctor Who and they had casted an actor to portray the man who played the original Doctor god damn I bumped the mouse again Let get out of my way I will grab you when I need you which is going to be soon so when they did that that man actually ended up coming back in the 50th anniversary to reprise the role of the original doctor they tried bringing in as many of the actors that are still alive as possible that portrayed the doctor in some point in the in the history of doctor who uh for the 50th anniversary for the end of it so i'm would not be surprised if they don't do something similar this time around um the 50th anniversary happened at the time when matt smith was very deep into his portrayal of the Doctor and David Tennant had already walked away. But they brought him back. And he was involved in that story. They were able to bring Billy Piper back. To reprise her role as Rose. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised. If we don't see some surprises. In the 60th anniversary. Like we saw in the 50th. But I was very intrigued. With some of the things that they were saying. About who was going to return. No pun intended there with the who. Uh, who. <clears throat> Was returning, and I and I don't just mean David Tennant. There was another thing that came up: Catherine Tate, who had portrayed Donna Noble, and when she was on the show originally, it was a one and done for her. Uh, originally, it was a one and done for her, one episode, and then she she was gone, and then they brought in somebody else to be the Doctor's companion, and then the very next season, we find out it's Donna again, and. I was not a really big fan of Catherine Tate uh, as Donna Noble. I thought the character was a little bit of a bitch. 
and I didn't like some of the things that, you know, they were doing with her, but kind of a personal opinion. Uh, but then she ended up being a one and done, a one season and done. And she said, I don't want to come back. I'm done with Doctor Who. So the fact that they were able to get her to come back to do this, I don't know if that was because they're bringing Stephen Moffat back to the show. I don't know if it has anything to do with any of that. Uh, but I was shocked to see that it was Donna Noble that was going to be the companion that was also returning with the Doctor. But there's there's more to it than just the fact that Catherine Tate seemed to not be all that interested in Doctor Who to begin with. Uh, it's because of of some of the things that happened in her story when she was on Doctor Who. And they mention it in the trailer. I'm going to try to save it for people that maybe did not see the Donna Noble season and are going to go and watch it on Max before the 60th anniversary premieres next month. Um, but, you know, there, there were some things that happened during her time on Doctor Who that made it kind of shocking to me that she's coming back. Um, but I think the thing that kind of got me the most was it's very clear who Neil Patrick Harris's character is going to be on the show. Anybody who's been a longtime fan of Doctor Who, and I was actually just telling a coworker at work this the other day, actually. Um, me and my dad used to watch the original Doctor Who reruns on PBS when I was a kid. So I, the TARDIS has been in my life for quite some time. The Doctor had been in my life for quite some time. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, PBS stopped showing Doctor Who. So one of, the, one of the things that me and my dad always used to do together was taken away from me because PBS decided to stop airing Doctor Who. The show's from England. It's, it's a British show. So getting it in the States was difficult enough as it was, and PBS was the one network that was showing it back in, the time, in, in, in that time. Another British show that I really d started digging w when it was on PBS was Red Dwarf, a space comedy. And then they decided to stop airing that for some reason. I'm like, man, every time I get into one of these British shows, man, you guys take it away from me. And I've never gotten a chance to go back and finish uh, Red Dwarf because the episodes are that hard to get. And you, good luck getting a, a, a DVD set that works in the States. So that was disappointing because I was really, really, really in to Red Dwarf. Same as I was with Doctor Who. And then when I heard that the show was coming back in 2009, I'm like, eee. so, you know, I, I, I'm like, now I have my own version of Doctor Who to get into. And I've dug the show ever since. But because I've been involved in this show for a, a good portion of my life, back when I was watching the original series with my dad and this new series now when it came out, um, it's very area, very obvious who Neil Patrick Harris's character is going to be. And anybody that's a Whovian that's out there that may be watching this, you guys know who it is, too. Um, but what's, what's interesting, what's very interesting is the fact that it's Neil Patrick Harris that's going to be playing him. Doctor Who does not have a history of bringing American actors into the fold, especially because a they're they probably cost more than British actors because obviously you got to put these guys up in a hotel, you you got to arrange their their travel arrangements. You got there's a million things that you have to do 
for an American actor that you don't have to do with an actor that's from Europe. Um, so that, that and as far as I can remember, the only other time that I remember an American actor being involved that wasn't like a cameo appearance or wasn't like a one-off appearance appearing in Doctor Who was in the Doctor Who movie from the 90s when um, Eric Bana, was it Eric Bana? No. Eric Roberts played the master. Um, So that was very interesting to me that they decided to bring Neil Patrick Harris in to play the character that he's going to play. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying who I think it is because if I'm wrong, I don't want to look like an idiot, but just the way the character acts and some of the things that were said in the trailer about that particular character and some of the things that that character says to the doctor and Donna in the trailer makes me so think I know who that guy is. And I think I said it on the episode that I had Jessica Steffi's on as well. I think I said, I think I know who Neil Patrick Harris is going to play. And I think I named him. So I might have already named who I think it is. And you can go back and you can either watch that episode on all of the uh, Redline Radio channels, or you can even watch it here on the Money's Crazy Mind Facebook page. It is not available on the Money's Crazy Mind YouTube channel. But the audio-only version of that show is available at podpage.com forward slash money's dash crazy dash mind. It's on Spotify. It's on Amazon Music. It's on Radio Public. More on that a little bit later on uh, when we wrap this up. Uh, So, yes, um, I am very, very much looking forward to the Doctor Who 60th anniversary specials. I think they're going to be phenomenal. Uh, I am so glad that they brought Stephen Moffat back or Moffat back. I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Um, to be at the helm of Doctor Who. Uh, these past few seasons have been rough uh, with the new writer that they brought in. It just didn't work out, man. You know, and I tried. I tried getting into Doctor Who when it was that new writer, but a lot of times it just became Doctor Woke. And sci-fi just doesn't work woke. I'm sorry. Or at least Doctor Who doesn't. You know, I didn't mind the, the female Doctor. I was one of the few people that when I heard that Peter Capaldi was walking away from the Doctor, I'm like, the Master became the Mistress? Why can't the Doctor become a woman? And I was all for it. I'm like, hell, let's see it. Let's see what a female doctor looks like. I mean, hell, they're not a human being. The doctor is not a human being. He's he's from the planet Gallifrey. So why not? I mean, the whole reason that the doctor regenerated into Peter Capaldi is because the doctor saw Peter Capaldi play another character on Doctor Who actually from season four, the season with Donna Noble, when they go to Pompeii. And they even mention it in the, in the first episode with, with him as the, 
as the doctor, he even sits there and says, this face is familiar. I've seen this face before. That's why. And there were things that happened during these past few seasons where I'm just sitting, I'm like, wait a minute, that goes against everything that Doctor Who is. And when you have a show that's been around as long as Doctor Who, you don't change the rules because you're going to piss fans off. And that's exactly what happened. Rules were changed. Or at least the way that we understood these particular rules were being changed. And I'm just kind of like, I'm sorry, did we not just a couple seasons ago say that there are certain events in history that are fixed and we cannot change them? And then we're going into American history and we're going to try to change something. But not only were they trying to change a fixed moment in history, but they are also trying to make it woke. And it's just like, come on. Like, I don't, I don't need to be reminded that racism exists on this planet. The six o'clock news reminds me enough of that. I watched Doctor Who to escape reality. It's about a fucking alien that fights other aliens on Earth. That's all I want to see. I want to see the doctor telling the Daleks, not today, motherfucker, and then hit him with the sonic screwdriver, man. Same thing with the Cybermen. Same thing with the Weeping Angels. I got no Weeping Angels in the last guy's run on Doctor Who. I barely got Daleks. I barely got Cybermen. There were no Silence. There were no Oods. There were no classic Doctor Who villains other than the Master. But then you want to shove racism down my throat even further than I get on American television. I didn't need that in my Doctor Who. Especially when you have a female Doctor. There were so many other things you could have tackled than the things you tackled during those seasons of Doctor Who that you were in charge of. And not only that, but it appears that the British audience didn't like Jodie Whittaker all that much because of comments that she made before she signed on to be the Doctor. I didn't mind her too much. I mean, it was a female representation of a Gallifreyan or a Time Lord, as they're called. So I didn't mind that. I actually liked the idea of the female doctor. Just the execution in the writing and the presentation was wrong. But, I mean, as for who they chose, I didn't care. You know? Hell, you could have made her look like River Song. And I mean, I, I'm sure fans would have loved that. But then they would have sat there and gotten pissed off because it's not River. And I've actually spoken to a lot of female Doctor Who fans that did not like Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor and did not like those seasons of Doctor Who because of the stories that they were telling. So it's, it's not every time that there's a, a gender reversal in characters does it have to do with sexism. It didn't with Ghostbusters 2016, at least on a, on a large scale, are there some assholes out there that were all about, eh, you girls can't be Ghostbusters? Yes, 
but they're also the ones that sound like I just said that and eat paste. And the same with Doctor Who. Was there some sexism there? I'm sure there probably was. But for most of us, it was just that it was a poor execution and something that we didn't want in our Doctor Who. And we see it all the time with Star Wars fans and they get a pass. We see it all the time with Ghostbuster fans and they are not Ghostbuster fans, uh, Star Trek fans. And for the most part, they get a pass. And, you know, the, the, the respective owners of their franchises can go, okay, that didn't work. Can we go back to what's been working for all these decades? Cool. Thanks. Uh, get on that right away. Call George and see if he's got any ideas that he can let us borrow. Thanks. But when it comes to other fan bases, it's we're toxic masculinity. But for me, Doctor Who has always been a very inclusive show. Very inclusive. But when you have stuff shoved down your throat is when I think it's wrong. But other than that, I am very much looking forward to the Doctor Who's 60th anniversary coming next month. And then you see here, we have David Tennant, who you may know from other franchises like uh, Jessica Jones, uh, Good Omens. Um, you know, he's done other things other than Doctor Who, and he's been very good at those as well. And then we also have the other gentleman featured in that p picture, and that is going to be our next Doctor going into the next season of Doctor Who. And I'm very lo much looking forward to see what this young man can do with the character of the Time Lord that we just know as the Doctor. And with that, we're going to wrap part two of the Money's Crazy Mind All Hallows Eve. Spooktacular. Where's my psych ward? It started playing, then it went away. There it is. All right. So thank you, everybody, for checking out this episode and i did say that i had an announcement so actually uh psych ward if we can put a, a, a kibosh on that for just a moment we are going to jump in to the money's crazy mind newsroom so that we can talk about the news that i have about that show that you see on the screen back there moving forward so obviously, as I said at the top of the show, no decision has been made about whether or not if I'm if this leave of absence that I am on currently with Redline Radio LLC is going to come to an end. And I'm either going to return to Redline Radio or leave Redline Radio. But I will say this about the future of this show. While for the past two and a half years, with some exceptions. I have actually enjoyed doing this show on a weekly basis. Some of that was because I was under contract to Redline Radio LLC, and it is in my contract that I do my show every week. However, with current events that have happened in my life since the end of June, I just don't feel 
that the benefit or this show benefits from going on on a weekly basis. So whatever the future of this show ends up being, be it going back to Redline Radio, me doing it independently here from Spook Central every week, which obviously I enjoy doing, or if at some point in the future, and obviously it won't be right away, I, I will say that if I do decide to leave Redline Radio, this show will not appear on another network right away. It will not. If I decide to leave, I'm going to continue to do this show the same way I'm doing it right now. The same way I did it last week in the first Halloween special. Independent. Released solely through my production company, Nameless Faceless Productions. And then at some point when I do feel comfortable about shopping the show around or moving on to another network or whatever decision I decide to make. Then and only then will I reveal what it is. But if I decide to do other episodes after this, which I probably will, but it won't be every week. It won't be on Friday nights. I don't know when it's going to be. That's a decision I have to come to. And 99.9% of them are going to be pre-recorded. And if I'm available to monitor the chat, I will monitor the chat. If not, I will go through, just like I do every show, and I will read each and every single comment as it appeared on the show, because I have the ability to do so. And I will pick out the best comments, and I will mention them on the air the next time I do a show. But if Money's Crazy Mind does continue, be it either independent on Redline or wherever else the show may end up in the future, if it ends up anywhere else in the future, it will not be on a weekly basis. It may not even be on a bi-weekly basis. I need to learn who I am post all of these health issues that I've had since the end of summer. Actually, since the beginning of summer, if you want to get honest. And I just haven't had a chance. I mean, I'm slowly getting that chance, doing the things that I'm doing, not being involved in the day-to-day operations of Redline Radio, not being involved in the productions of Redline Radio, and only doing this show when I feel that there's content that I need to talk about. So that kind of gives you an idea of how often Money's Crazy Mind is going to appear. And more than likely, it'll probably end up being on like a bi-weekly or maybe like an every couple of week basis. But let's say something like what happened with Saw happens. And I, it's something that I decide I need to talk about. I'll come here and I'll do a mini episode. This episode actually turned out to be almost an entire two-hour episode because I like to talk a lot. But also because I was talking about things that I wanted to give some detail on. So this actually isn't really a mini episode. It's kind of more of an episode. But, you know, I mean, I don't care.
but I'm also trying to get my passion back. And that that is one of the things that I said as my reason for walking away from Redline Radio when I did, is I did not feel passionate about what I was doing anymore. And some of that passion is starting to come back as I'm rebranding myself, rebranding this brand, Money's Crazy Mind, that I started almost five years ago, and learning who I am again. And that, to me, is the most important part. And that's why I wanted to include this particular thing that I'm talking about right now on this episode. I had a lot of people comment on how much they liked the All Hallows Eve special that I did last week. That made me feel so good. Because for a long time, prior to that, the show had been struggling, in my opinion. The show had been struggling. I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was like sitting there. I, I kind of felt like Kevin Smith after he got a phone call from Bruce Willis saying, dude, I want to work with you in the future. And then Kevin's struggling like, I, I have nothing to work with Bruce Willis with. And he's sitting there, he's playing Nintendo, and he's playing Dig Dug, and he goes, that's it. Bruce Willis in Dig Dug. It's one guy with a pump, and and the the guy with the pump is Bruce Willis. He had nothing for Bruce. That's kind of how I felt with this show. Was I had nothing. I'm like, what? I I, I don't want to talk about true crime every week. Fucking... Everybody and their mom is talking about wrestling right now. I don't want to talk about that because all you hear about anymore is AEW versus WWE. That shit's stupid and it's boring. It's worthless talking about because you've got every Joe out there and their mom and their sister and their brother and their husband and their wife talking about it. In some way, shape, or form, be it podcast, be it being a fucking asshole on social media, or whatever. You know, I I don't get out to get to the movies as often as I would like to, so it's hard for me to talk about new movies. You know, I don't watch a lot of new TV, so I don't get to talk about that very much, unless you guys want to hear me talk about Jersey Shore, which who wants to hear anybody talk about that? Because that's really the only new thing I'm watching right now, and it's not really all that new. It's a guilty pleasure show for me, so don't, don't fucking bite my head off, man. But that's kind of how I've been feeling. And then the idea came around for what I wanted to do for the All Hallows Eve special. And I said, if I'm going to do this, and it's the only show I'm going to do for a while post Redline Radio. Or, you know, I'm, and I'm, I keep saying that, but it's not really post Redline Radio, but it's me not being a part of Redline Radio right now. I said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go balls to the wall. And I'm going to make this the best show I've ever done. And I threw every idea I had 
everything that I wanted to accomplish at that episode. Was there some audio issues in some parts of the show? Yeah, and I'm sorry about that. But again, first show that I've independently done in two and a half years. Sorry. Shit happens. Someone has to deal with it. And who are you going to call? Just had to throw that in there. Uh, but, you know, that, that, was the, that was the situation. You know, so hearing people sitting there saying, that's the best show that I've done in quite some time, that meant a lot. And that just showed me that, yeah, the ideas I had for that episode were the right ones. And they were the ideas that worked. I knew exactly what songs I wanted to be featured in that episode. I knew exactly how I wanted that opening scene to go. I knew exactly how I wanted that promo to sound. (coughs) And I got all of it. So think about this. The 100th episode that I did with Redline Radio. If I had been able to do that show. That episode, the way I wanted to do it, and have been able to do everything I wanted to do for it, imagine how that episode would have been. And I'm not saying that that episode was bad, but it was not my original idea. Not at all. I had so many things I wanted to do for that, and nobody wanted to be available for when I wanted to do them. And the people that did want to be available to do them got taken away by other people when I wanted them to be available. So that's all I'll say about that. I'm not trying to badmouth anybody or badmouth anything. I'm just saying certain things prohibited me from doing certain things that I wanted to do with this show, and it took a toll on me on the show, on the way I wanted to do things. And it kind of made me lose a little bit of my passion. A lot of bit of my passion. So moving forward, if I'm going to do an episode of this show, it's going to be because I'm passionate about it. And it's going to be because it's something that I want to talk about. I do have some ideas for future episodes already floating around in my head. Obviously, the Doctor Who 60th anniversary specials. I want to do an episode after each and every single one of those airs. And I want to talk about what I saw in those episodes. That's been an idea since spring. Another one that I've, I've been wanting to do, and I'm going to do it as soon as I finish it, because the last episode of this airs next week. And that is, did convicting a murderer convince me or do the job that that show claimed it was going to do and that was convince everybody that Stephen Avery and Brendan Dassey are guilty did convicting a murderer do its job or was it a snow job that's another idea I have for a show So I have some ideas. 
I have some ideas and I just have to get, I, I want to execute them. When I execute them is going to be another story. Because obviously, like I said, convicting a murderer, the last episode airs next week. So I want to get caught up on that. I think I only have like three or four episodes left. I stopped on episode seven. And I ended up paying for Daily Wire to be able to watch it. Because it it's something that I'm just like, okay, convince me. Because if, if making a murderer really is hiding a bunch of shit, then to me, that's not documentary filming, filmmaking. Did convicting a murderer be, convince me that Stephen Avery's guilty? Tune in and find out whenever that episode airs. So that's what I'm saying. Like, th that's the kind of stuff that I want to do moving forward with this show is do a show when it's passionate for me. And maybe throw in a guest or two here and there, depending on how the show goes from here on out. But I went over way longer than I intended. So this actually ended up being a full episode of Money's Crazy Mind. Congratulations. You guys were able to get another one out of me. Thank you. But again, I was having fun doing this, and I had to get this information out. I wanted to let people know what the future of the show is going to be. And, it, uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. It kind of feels good not having to do a fucking break at the hour. I, and if I do decide to keep the show at two hours, I probably am still going to end up taking a break. Just because there is music and bands and stuff like that that I want to feature on episodes of this show. And that's when I do it. Right? Uh, but that's another part of the reason why I didn't want to go two hours because this weather change is killing my knees man fuck uh, but that's gonna do it for all Hallows Eve spooktacular part two I am on my way to Strongsville to do an escape room first time I've ever done one of those uh, but hey you know friend says hey I want to do an escape room for my birthday got it I'm there, and I'll bring my thinking cap. It may not be this one, but it, it'll be a cap. <laughs> uh, but that's that's it, man. Uh, huge shout out to Psych Ward for you know continuing, even though now I'm independent, for letting me use Funny Bone as the official theme song of Money's Crazy Mind. And oh yeah, by the way, that intro video that you guys saw at the beginning of the show, that's just a temporary placeholder until I can get something better put together for me. Uh, that's part of the reason why this didn't air yesterday, and I talked about that at the beginning of the show. I'm almost positive. Uh, it, it was an hour and a half ago. I don't remember anymore. Uh, but that's just a temporary placeholder. But also, the song that you guys are hearing right now, My Bed, that song is also Psych Ward. It's off their first album, Brainwashed. It's actually the very first song on the album called Lab of a Madman. So thank you to Psych War for continuing to be a part of Money's Crazy Mind. The Asylum definitely appreciates it. And what am I doing for Halloween? Well, I think we made the decision. We're going to go to Tattoo Therapy, Inc., and we're going to be a part of their one-year anniversary. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, you know... Tattoo Therapy, Inc., obviously, Riley Chase, 
is the guy that does all my ink. And uh, I do got to get that Ghostbusters one fixed up. But Riley Chase is the guy that has done all my ink. Uh, so definitely a huge shout out to Riley. Thank you for being one of the first brands to jump on him and psych Ward were like the first two to jump onto the money's crazy mind bandwagon all those years ago when i started this little podcast so if you guys want to go back and listen to any episode of money's crazy mind listen think about what i just said i said listen to any episode of money's crazy mind even the ones from way back when when I still didn't know what the fuck I was doing, you can do that on Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, CastBox, Amazon Music, Radio Public, Spotify. All those spots, just type in Money's Crazy Mind, and you can find it there. I'd bring up the graphic, but the song will stop, and I don't want the music to stop because I, I'm digging the way that this fits. Or, like I mentioned earlier, you can go to the website, powered by PodPage, podpage.com forward slash monies dash crazy dash mind. Uh, once I finish running my mouth here, I'll put the graphic up and then we'll, we'll end the show. So, song's ending. So, thank you, everybody, for checking out part two of the Money's Crazy Mind, All Hallows Eve, spooktacular for the year of 2020. Three. Until the next time I see you guys, have a week. Money's Crazy Mind is proud to be the exclusive flagship broadcast of Nameless Faceless Productions. That's all, folks.